There are men and women out there who squeeze as many as 10 lifetimes into their one single life. Women like Marie Curie, men like Teddy Roosevelt, and then there are men like Dillinger who do the same, but kind of in the opposite direction. You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here are your hosts, Christy, Amber, and Scott. old-timey crimey i'm christy i'm scott and i'm amber and we are here this week as usual with your historical true crime we have quite a case to talk about oh my gosh the pages and pages of notes i have but first don't forget if you are enjoying this show there is so much more to enjoy over on our patreon that is patreon.com slash old timey crimey there is so much bonus content over there hours and hours everything from shorter episodes to longer episodes we do various things but we do old timey newspapers we delve into decades that we don't really hit on old timey crimey get a little slightly less old timey so yeah scott just told us a story for this week's bonus episode about an amazing woman who fought crime and also got herself into a little bit of trouble sometimes so that was very fascinating to hear about and you can get access to all of that bonus material at the five dollar level but if you're not the long-term relationship type, there's also our PayPal. You can shoot us any amount of money you want uh, using our email address, oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. And we'll give you a shout out on the show. We'll say your name in a weird accent that we don't quite nail, or maybe even sing it. Get that vibrato in there and everything. Yay, vibrato. <laughs> if you uh, don't happen to have any money lying around that you want to throw our way, that is also fine. Just head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And that is an amazing, amazing thing you can do for us. And we will love you forever. We still love you, but, you know, it's, it's bonus we'll love. We'll love you more. Exactly. Yes, we'll love it's like more forever. We'll give you a reach around for that extra five. We'll be a whore for your money. <laughs> yes, we will. Scott will. Scott will. <laughs> so Scott that will. look, that five dollars will last me forever. The taste of dick in my mouth is only for a night. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to talk about a guy who uh, stole far more than five dollars? <laughs> nice segue. Thank you. <laughs> we are talking this week about John Dillinger. It's, you know what, you got to be a hell of a man for just your escape plan to have a band name. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my gosh, this guy. Yeah. So, he was born John Herbert Dillinger on June 22nd, 1903 in Indianapolis. His father was a grocer. His mother, not too much known about her because she died when he was three. And his parents had actually been married for 16 years when they had him. And he had one sister at the time when he was born. She was quite a bit older. Yeah, his parents had actually been married for 16 years when they had him. And he had one sister when he was born. She would have been 14 at the time. His mother passed when he was three. But he, so his father was kind of responsible for his upbringing for a little while. Um, and it seemed like 
a middle class upbringing that was kind of uneven as far as parenting was concerned. Sounded like he got lots of lots of whippings, but that didn't help. So his sister. Wait, beatings don't help children. Well, I'm going to have to start writing my childcare book all over from the beginning. <laughs> start from scratch, Scott. So uh, his sister got married the same year that their mother died, and she and her husband actually took Dillinger in until Dillinger was nine when his father remarried. Because without a woman, how could you take care of a child? Yeah, it seemed to be just the thing that they did. If a, if a man was widowed, uh, they f- found some woman somewhere in the family to take care you know, of, of the young children or child. We saw it uh, a little bit... The opposite, actually, in the Jack the Ripper uh, episodes with one of the victims, I can't remember which, honestly, uh, but her father lost his wife and he actually kept the family together, but also moved in a family member to help. <laughs> so it's still <laughs> single fatherhood was not really a thing. But but John's father was really weird because he would like alternate being a complete asshole and being like wanting to spoil his child. So he would like beat him. But then give him money for candy or he would lock him in the house all day. And then on other days, he would just let him out and you could go anywhere you want until dark. Like it was very like bipolar. Yeah. And that's got to be so confusing for a kid because you you don't know what the boundaries are. You know, they change from one minute to the next. You never know. So, I mean, I'm not saying his father was necessarily fully responsible for the man John Dillinger became, but I I will lay some of the blame at his feet. Yeah, because I I lay a lot of the blame at his feet. I'm going to lay like 90 percent of the blame at his father's feet. You you instill that in a child. That's the foundation that kid's going to be growing up on. Yeah, and if there's no clear boundaries, if they change from day to day, he just does whatever the hell he wants, apparently, which he did. Um, the The marriage his father made was not one that really helped him very much. The, the relationship with his stepmother really wasn't so hot. His dad and his stepmom did have three more kids, and the youngest was actually born when Dillinger was 19. So this this family, you know, his father's procreating years spanned quite a quite a long time. Now, he, again, those, those boundaries weren't really clear, so he just became a, a, a troublemaker in school. He liked to fight, he liked to steal, he liked to bully. He even, guess what, started a gang. No. <laughs> and they stole coal from the railroad. My first street gang, by Ganner. <laughs> yeah. He did very nearly get into trouble because some locals tipped off like a judge and, you know, were trying to get him to, to lay the smack down a little bit. But basically, the judge gave him a scolding and that helped not one bit. Don't, so don't do that again. You naughty boy, you. Get out of here, Persecutor's escape. Somebody give him some whorehound candy. <laughs> but you know what? Like he he was described as a very likable and just kind of like as mischievous as any other boy, but he was always really well-dressed and that will take you really far with police. You'd be shocked. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, there definitely, I'm sure there was a boys will be boys mentality to it. So it still exists now. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. There you're not wrong. Well, (laughs) you're kind of wealthy and white. We'll let you go. Exactly. Yeah. So he dropped out of high school and got a job in a machine shop, 
but he was still staying out all night and getting into shenanigans. So his dad was like, all right, I'm going to try moving us out into the country and we'll see if that fixes things. So his, his, his dad moved them out to Mooresville, Indiana, which is on the other side of Indianapolis. They lived in a suburb kind of north of Indianapolis, if I'm remembering what I looked at the map. And then they moved a little bit south. But the thing is, is that, yeah, it's a rural area, but it's still only like 20 miles from the Indianapolis city center. So it didn't really stop him from getting into trouble. Trouble was was just a, a little short uh, car ride away. And especially if you steal one like he did and go for a joyride. <laughs> so Te- which he did. Technically, if you steal a car, trouble is not a car ride away. It's you, you created trouble right with the car. That is true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. As soon as you get in the car, that's not yours. Yeah, so he yeah he stole a car at age 19 and so then he managed to get out of that trouble by joining the navy it was not terribly specific in most of the articles i read but it seemed like it was one of those cases where yeah they did let you off the hook if you enlisted yeah it was oh. it, it was a thing he just kind of went on board the battleship utah uh he shoveled coal that's what he did but he was repeatedly repeatedly punished for insubordination and going AWOL. And he he spent several days in solitary confinement. But finally, he didn't he didn't get kicked out of the military. He didn't, you know, dishonorably discharged, nothing like that. He deserted for good. December 1923, he just went, fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah. The ship got to Boston and he was like, I'm out. He was yeah. eventually dishonorably discharged, just probably because he just never came back. <laughs> so they were probably like, well, it's been a couple of years. I don't think he's going to come back. So we should probably like do some paperwork. So yeah, I guess so. He went back home. Uh, his dad had joined the clergy, actually. And when he was 21 years old, he settled down with the delightfully named Beryl Hovius. <laughs> <laughs> From ancient Greece, Daddy Dillinger <laughs> finds a time machine. <laughs> how, yeah, do you she shout, was, how do you shout that name out during sex? Oh, Beryl Obvious. <laughs> well, do you, do, does anyone here shout out first and last names, Scott? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dude, I, right, even well, hit, I even hit the middle name. Oh, then you feel like you're in trouble with your mother. I, no, no, no. Here's the thing. Well, some, hey, some people may be into that. Nah, don't kink shame <laughs> me. But, uh, but, you know, if I'm getting like the pace up, Instead of like going, oh, there you are, now we stop, you know, and say stuff like that, you know, and sometimes I mess up just like I did. I forgot, you know, she's married to me now, so she has the, my last name. But sometimes, you know, pace is picking up to ADM, 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 just over and over like that. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Daddy Scott's than... into some weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not into the daddy shit. That shit's weird. <laughs> but I'm not gonna kink shame. I'm not gonna kink shame somebody who is. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> you kind of just did, but yeah, moving on. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he settled down with Beryl Hovius. She was 16. He was 21. So even in the you know early part of the century, we still had those those matches where it was a very young girl. Um, just a little side note. I, in looking up the people that you know were surrounding him, his family and and such, it's really amazing just how much everyone outlived him. They, a lot of these people they lived very long lives. Beryl, she made it to 1993. His sister Audrey, she made it to age 98 
when she died in 1987. His wow. last remaining half-sibling died only five years ago. In what? 2015. Yeah. Yeah. That's in 2015 that, that at the age of 92. That feels wrong, doesn't it? Well, remember, his last half-sibling was 19 years younger than him. Mm. They so. really spread those those kids out because his older sister is 14 years older than him. I mean, his dad was having kids for like 30 years. That's. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> oof is right. So Dillinger and his new young bride, Beryl, head to the city and he does try to get a job, apparently, but he doesn't have any luck. So he hitches his wagon to the star of local pool shark, Ed Singleton. And if you're going to hitch your wagon to any star, it should definitely be to the local pool shark. Oh, both of them were actually on the local semi-pro baseball team. Dillinger was a shortstop and Singleton was an umpire. And that feels right. I don't know why. I don't even know that much about baseball and that still feels right. <laughs> Singleton and Dillinger decide to pull a little job. They pulled a stick up on a grocer in Mooresville. And now, first of all, I find it really interesting that they chose a grocer, being that Dillinger's father used to be one. I wonder if there's anything psychologically going on there. Dillinger probably wants a larger penis. <laughs> so they did manage to get away with $50. That's $760 in today's money. Dillinger, uh, he, his weapon of choice was an iron bolt wrapped in cloth. And he beat the owner with it. And the story kind of varies depending on where you look. Some stories say that uh, in, the, in the process of, the, of that, Dillinger's gun accidentally went off. So Singleton scrammed and he took the getaway car with him. But the story straight from Dillinger's mouth is as follows. Quote, when Morgan, the grocer, came along, I jumped out from behind the building and hit him twice on the head with a bolt, which I had wrapped up in a handkerchief. He then turned and grabbed a revolver, which I had in my hand. The gun was discharged when I jerked it away with him, jerked it away from him, the bullet entering the ground. We then ran. So whether Singleton ditched him or not is, is questionable. Now, the grocer was actually not badly hurt. He only had to have 11, 11 stitches, so um, didn't die at least. So... He was caught pretty quickly after this. Uh, some sources say that a minister actually turned them in. So another member of the clergy, you have to wonder how that went over with his dad. And now here's where things get kind of wonky legally. There was... Uh, all right. So there was a very marked difference in their approaches to how they dealt with the charges between Singleton and Dillinger. Singleton was like, I'm going to I'm going to say I'm not guilty. I'm going to have a trial. And at the trial, he was pronounced guilty. He was giving a two year sentence. And uh, just so you know, eventually he would get out of jail. And in 1937, he would pass out drunk on some train tracks. And that doesn't go well when a train comes by. So. Just uh, all depends on what you're trying to accomplish, quite honestly. What? Well, yeah, I guess. So on the other hand, Dillinger's dad chatted up the prosecutor for advice. And the prosecutor was like, OK, just have him plead guilty and everything will be all right. So Dillinger did that. He did. So he didn't have a trial. And he ended up with a 10 to 20 year sentence for assault and battery with intent to, intent to rob, as well as conspiracy to commit a felony. And this is where we tell you, don't take 
advice from your enemies. It, I, I'm sorry, if you're a criminal, the prosecutor, that's your enemy. Don't do not do what they tell you to do. I'm sorry to be giving advice to criminals, but it works for everybody else, too. <laughs> so. Yeah, just keep your goddamn mouth shut. But, you know, <laughs> I've got a few people I'd love to give advice to. <laughs> Me too. Lots and lots <laughs> of fucking advice. So when his father was asked about the whole situation from, you know, reporters, he was like, oops. And, the, you know, he, he told that his dad told the judge, like, hey, look, we, we shouldn't have gone this route. And we were every you were supposed to be lenient with him. And the judge was like, well, I wasn't. So that's that. And the, the governor of Indiana would later say, quote, the judge and the prosecutor took him out and assured him if he would tell certain things, they would let him off with a lighter sentence. They didn't keep their word. They gave Dillinger 10 to 20 years while his partner in crime, Edgar Singleton, got two to 14 years and was released at the end of two years. This made a criminal out of John Dillinger. Well, I would argue that sticking up the grocer made a criminal out of him. Well, wait, when he actually stole a car, that probably made a criminal out of him. Or when he was stealing coal in his younger years. So um, that that particular statement could be disputed. But Or just being a man. <laughs> I don't think that was the problem. So, That's not what I've been told lately this, by a lot of my so socially aware friends. <laughs> this situation pisses him off monumentally. He said as he was going to jail, quote, I will be the meanest bastard you ever saw when I get out of here. And yeah, so. Yeah, he was right. Yeah, well, he, he lived up to his word. That's uh admirable <laughs> he, he straight out said in a letter to his dad had they let him off more leniently for his first mistake he wouldn't have grown so bitter yeah he definitely mm. blamed a lot of his future actions on this meanwhile we all blame his dad <laughs> so, well no like yeah. i'm still blaming his dad but at the same time it's your first offense and they give you 10 to 12 years while the guy who's with you who has a, a friggin' prison record gets off with what? Like, a, what did he, less than two years? Yeah, he got two to 14 and he was out and out in two. Yeah, and, and so like that, yeah, I would be, I'd be bitter as hell too. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I get that. That'd be pretty yeah, fucking pissed. Yeah, yeah. So he, he does go to prison. When he gets in, they do a little physical, and he finds out he has gonorrhea. So, surprise bad news face. after bad news. <laughs> what was that, Amber? I said surprise face. <laughs> surprise face, yeah. But he did play on the prison baseball team. He did some work in the prison shirt factory. And here is where I first encountered the word seamster. I didn't even think about the fact that there had to be a male version of the word seamstress. Oh, my so. God. That's sexist. <laughs> yeah. He was actually noted for his quick fingers. He could do like, you know, his quota and just about everybody else's in, in the amount of time they were allotted to work. So he kept in touch with the outside world. He wrote his wife, Beryl, frequently. But in 1929, she divorced him. And later on, he would look back on that and he would say, quote, I began to know how you feel when your heart is breaking. For four years, I had looked forward to going back home, and now there wasn't going to be any home to go back to. Oh, that and one stings. That one stings. Sting. Yeah. But at the same time, she doesn't know when he's going to get out. And, if, you know, like she, 
Oh, no, 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 no. I don't blame her one little bit for leaving Dillinger. I would have left Dillinger, too. But the thought of not having a home to go back to. But she yeah. was, she, they were so young when they got married. Like, they were yeah. so young. She's not going to waste the best years of her life waiting around for a man that might not get out of jail for 20 years. Nor should she. Nor should right. she. So while he was in jail, he did endeavor to get himself an education. Not a traditional kind of education, but a bank robbing education. Best kind. He, apparently, I guess, to an extent. He made friends with some guys who had experience in that particular field. They told him all the tricks of the trade and they all made plans together and one particular inspiration to him from his newly chosen field was a man named Herman Lamb who was actually responsible for a lot of the innovations in bank robbery I guess we'll call them Uh, I want to see that training video (laughs) here at Robco we are innovating the bank robbing system as we know it Bank robberies from people trained by Robco go down 37 seconds. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but 37 seconds is an absolute eternity whenever the average response time of the police is two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when we think of casing the joint, that was Lamb's idea. He was like, why don't you check out the situation before you bust in there with guns and demand money? I, I, I... Brilliant. Yeah. I can't believe nobody thought of this. <laughs> no, really, I can't. <laughs> so. Observe. <laughs> uh, he also had planned out multiple escape routes from any job, and he called these GITS, uh, like G-I-T-S. He would hire actual race car drivers to do this. And they would practice this. They would clock out each route. They would, you know, try it out in different weather conditions. I mean, this was a serious operation. It's a fucking they Italian had... job. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Well, How it... much? We, we spent $850,000. So what was our gift from the bank? $12. Fuck. <laughs> Well, it's actually, it's kind of Ocean's Eleven because he was the one who was like, you know, every guy, everybody in the on, on the team should have a specific job instead of just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. So uh, he, he, he innovated that. He also was like, contingency plans should be a thing. Let's actually think about when shit goes wrong, what we can do to make it right, or at least right for us so we get our money. Johnny, and- will it be okay if you're the one we shoot through the head so that we can split it up five ways instead of six? Sure thing, boss. I like you, Johnny. You're doing good work. And similarly to Ocean's Eleven again, they would actually rehearse the whole thing. Sometimes they would actually have a mock-up of the bank that they built in order to rehearse the robbery, which is, that's, that's dedication right there. Yeah. Now, Lamb has actually been called the father of modern bank robbery. And between the end of World War I and the end of his career... He robbed dozens of banks. Uh, in, in 1930, he was about to be caught, and he so he shot himself instead of being taken in. So this guy was the guy that Dillinger looked up to, and so he studied the lamb technique exhaustively. This was his education. I wonder if that's what's meant by the phrase, on the lamb. I thought of that, so I looked it up. Ah. <laughs> if nobody had brought it up, I wouldn't have said anything, but I have it here from Edim Online. Uh 
Okay, so in as in on the lamb in 1928 in pickpocket slang, according to the Oxford English Dictionary from 1897 in do a lamb, uh, from a U.S. slang verb meaning to run off in 1886. So it's before lamb's time, I think. So, but that's I did a, think of that too. So great minds. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, he Dillinger, uh, he gets paroled in 1933. He'd been behind bars for about nine and a half years. And when one thing that seemed to really help was his father actually gathered 188 signatures for a petition. And so that got him, you know, out. Now, it is the Depression. Keep in mind, it's 1933. He, maybe he tried to get a job, but probably not. He had been planning this even though he said at his parole hearing that his, you know, what he was going to do was he was going to live a productive life back on the family farm where he was just going to go full on farmer Bob, which he didn't do. No. <laughs> <As you may. laughs> so in a section of my notes, I titled robberies round one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, right from the get go. He gets a gang of at least five other guys, and they start robbing banks. So he gets out in May of 33, and five weeks later, on June 21st, they rob the New Carlisle National Bank, where they make off with $10,000. That's $200,000 in today's money. He, they actually, what they did for this one was they stayed overnight in the bank, and then in the morning, Sleep they made over. an employee... Yeah, sleepover. We're gonna braid each other's hair. It's gonna be so fun. Pillow fight. Hey, hey, hey Dillinger fell asleep first. Let's go freeze his bra. <laughs> George, is there a guy you like? <laughs> Put his hand in some warm water and see if he pees his pants. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dillinger's got a massive cock. <laughs> we should play Bloody Mary. <laughs> it looked like his knees leaking. <laughs> so yeah they stayed overnight and they made an employee get them into the safe in the morning and so that was how they managed that one so then there was another series of robberies so in, in July 17th 1933 they hit up the commercial bank in Daleville Indiana and they got 3500 from that job in, on August 4th so just a couple weeks later Montpellier Montpellier I don't know, National Bank in Indiana, $6,700. August 14th, so only 10 days later, they're, they're shortening their time frame there. Bluffton Bank in Bluffton, Ohio, $6,000. September 6th, Massachusetts Avenue State Bank in Indianapolis. So they're hitting the, it seems like they were doing small towns and they were like, let's do the big guns. And they did, and they made off with 24000 in that one. So in this spree of robberies they got a total of fifty two thousand dollars do you guys want to guess how much that is in today's money fifty two thousand dollars in today's money i am going to say that is nine hundred and seventy six thousand four hundred fifty two dollars and eighty seven cents <laughs> what and amber <laughs> were you pulling that out of your ass or did you look it up no i was pulling it out of my ass that was terribly specific. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with 120000 uh, Scott wins it because it was close to a million. 
God damn, I need to pull shit out of my ass more often. I'd probably have a better poop ratio. Honestly, I don't even remember what the numbers were because after he threw that out, my brain just completely broke for a second. <laughs> I was like, what number did she say? Just say a number. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they made quite a haul. There were five others who were involved in that particular robbery and they were uh, arrested just a few hours after the robbery. But Dillinger, he was able to stay on the lam for a little while. And through all of these, it seems like a big part of his goal is to get his buddies out of jail, the ones who taught him all this, so that they can all be a gang and do some robberies together. So he is working to send them weapons. And they were uh, supposed to bust out on September 22nd, 1933. But he was busted that day in Dayton, Ohio. He was staying at a boarding house uh, with a girl. His girlfriend lived there. He came to, to hide out there and the landlady ratted him out. Uh, the papers, actually, they called him the leaping gunman. Uh, they cite both his real name and his alias, which was John Hall. And apparently what he did was he would just leap like right over the counter and into the cashier's cage before the employees even knew that there was a robbery was going on. And he was said to leap into the cage like a panther. I'm like a curious little kitten. <laughs> yeah. So he was found uh, with five revolvers, uh, a bunch of ammo, $2,600 and sacks of carpet tacks. Which is weird. I kind of thought about that sacks of carpet tax. And I just picture it like a cartoon where he puts them out so it pops the police officer's tires. That's exactly that what way. I was thinking. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what they did. That or roofing nails uh, they would use. So uh, at this point, he had already been branded public enemy number one by the captain of the state police of Indiana, who would later in this process he would become dillinger's absolute nemesis and also the progenitor of the phrase i told you so <laughs> yeah. and one paper I, I i don't know what was going on with the nicknames they were trying to sling at him but they called him both the state's worst bad man and also the number one bad man jesus christ did they have a three-year-old writing their headlines? What was happening? He he had he 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 punched a guy in the tummy, and then <laughs> and then he made he made man mommy cry. <laughs> so he is frisked when they take him in, and they find a paper on him that seems like it could be related to a prison break, but they can't really figure out exactly what it means, and he's not saying a word. And it was, in fact, part of plans to break his buddies out of prison. And they did just that only four days after he got arrested and they became the first Dillinger gang. They actually broke out the same day that the governor of Indiana signed papers to extradite uh, Dillinger back to Indiana because there was the issue of, you know, he had robbed banks in both Indiana and Ohio. Ohio was kind of trying to keep him. So there was a little fight back and forth trying to get him back to Indiana and that was Paul McNutt was the governor of Indiana. And I, I looked him up just out of curiosity. And he's he's creepy looking in a silver fox kind of way. Or he's also silver fox in a creepy looking way. I can't decide. Something about his eyes. They're too light. He looks like he's going to rape you. And that you might like it. 
<laughs> so something happened with the extradition. It didn't quite go through. And so instead he was sent to Lima, Ohio. And that was where he managed to bust out in October. His gang, who they had busted out of prison, they came to get him. They put on some Indiana State Police uniforms or as close as they could manage. And they said, we're here to extradite Dillinger back to Indiana. And the sheriff was like, um, badges, identification, papers, any of those things. And they're like, does this gun look like a badge? Bang. And they uh, they shot the sheriff, as the song goes. Uh, did, did they, they also shoot the deputy? Somebody had no, to they, fucking say it. They locked up the deputy. Oh. Also, the sheriff's wife. No, two separate people, but they locked up the sheriff's wife and the deputy. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the sheriff's name was Jess Sarber. And so police raid the Mooresville farm that night looking for him. They wake his dad up uh, with a whole bunch of policemen. And his dad's like, I haven't seen, I haven't even seen him since May. And he said, at that time, he came home on parole from the Indiana State Prison a half hour after his stepmother died. I don't know what to think of him now. It's pretty bad. That is quite the timing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird. So then on October 21st, three of the gang, uh, including Dillinger, they actually, and they'll do this several times, they raid the police arsenal in Peru, Indiana. So they actually rob the police station. There were two policemen inside, so they locked them up in the chief's office. And ah. then <laughs> it's just so unbelievable. And then they stole all the weapons and the ammo. I have a bit from a newspaper from the day. The loot included two machine guns and 10 extra magazines of cartridges, one tear gas gun and three gas cartridges, three rifles, two sawed-off shotguns, seven bulletproof vests, four revolvers, and three police badges and a partridge in a pear tree. One of the bandits was unable to find the arsenal immediately and threatened to kill one of the patrolmen. I haven't plugged anyone for a week, the desperado said, and I would just as soon puncture one of you cops as not. God damn, to like bring the fight to their front door. Holy yeah, fucking right? shit. The chrome-plated balls on this guy. It's unbelievable. Right, yeah. he, he's, oh. a, he's a fucking evil man. But you gotta sit back and kind of go, you, you fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. It's It definitely takes, like you said, it takes some balls. They also took one of the policemen's guns. They took some badges and holsters. And they locked all that stuff up in the basement so they couldn't even get, you know, what they had available to them. And actually, just as they were leaving, the deputy sheriff drives up and he sees the car and he's like, he doesn't actually know anything about the raid, but he's like, that looks suspicious. So he follows the car until about six miles out of town, at which point he was like, uh, I guess I give up. I don't know. Or maybe he thought that he shouldn't, you know, saw how many men were in the car and thought maybe he shouldn't uh, confront them. But they had actually done this in Auburn a week prior where they got over a thousand rounds. At least so, I know what they're spending their bank money on. <laughs> yeah. At Auburn, I, okay, so a quote from a paper at Auburn, a week before, the Desperados took a machine gun, four rifles, several revolvers, bulletproof vests, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. That's a lot. That's, that is a lot. How do you fucking walk with that? 
Well, I think they just carry it out to the car. I don't think they're shoving it all in their pockets. I think yeah, they're looking up like the car groceries. like it's moving day. It's just, you load it all up on your arms, and then you only have to get it to your trunk. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Silly me. Whenever I go to the gun store, I only make like two or three trips. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this, the, this action of the gang arming themselves up is freaking out people out in Indianapolis and in the towns around there. So Indianapolis is actually arming up because they think that the, the gang might actually attack. They said that they could muster within one hour, a thousand cops and national guardsmen plus 10 planes, tear gas, and that they were also working on getting riot guns. So yeah, they were definitely, uh, they were trying. So, then they do their next round of robberies. Robberies, round two. So they rob the home banking company in St. Mary's, Ohio for $12,000. All right. Then the Central National Bank in Green Castle, Indiana on October 23rd. And there they make off with $75,000. Then the American Bank and Trust Company in Racine, Wisconsin, where they end up getting themselves $28,000. And then First National Bank uh, in East Chicago, Indiana, and they get themselves $20,000. And if you guys will bear with me for a second. Oh, no, I did the math. Oh, good. Okay. I was like, I didn't do the math. And so I was like actually adding it up on my phone. <laughs> beforehand or as i was talking and then i turned the page and oh wait there's the math so uh i need to i need to trust in myself a little bit more so um at the before we get to the total we should talk real quick about the east chicago first national bank robbery because that was where uh he actually shot and killed a policeman for the first time, he later said, quote, I've always felt bad about O'Malley getting killed, but only because of his wife and kids. He stood right in the way and kept throwing slugs at me. What else could I do? Not mm. be a criminal would be an option, I think, maybe. <laughs> One would hope so. But then, you know, we'd be talking about somebody else today. Yeah. <laughs> so the total for that spree was one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars which is $2.7 million in today's money. Mm. Brings us so far in just the past like six months or so, they have raked in uh, $3.7 in modern valuations. They're doing a good job. That's impressive. It's unbelievable. It's, it's just bonkers. Uh, so on November 16th, uh, the cops just absolutely screwed up this plan they had been working on forever and it's just absolutely hilarious to me because they work so hard to come up with this plan and carry it out and then they make really stupid mistakes so you had they they spent a month working on this plan they had three squads from the chicago detectives bureau and one squad from the indiana state police all working together on this and so they had been tipped off that dillinger and a woman would be at a doctor's office one night. So they prepared to ambush him. Well, what happened was he comes out and they signal each other that they he, he was out of the doctor's office and the signal for that is flashing a spotlight. 
Yeah, it's it's a, not an obvious signal at all. It's real down low. God damn it! Yeah, it's good yeah. enough for Batman. It's good enough for me. <laughs> Super low key. So instead of going in the direction they expected him to, just he, did it again, uh, Christy. Damn it! So instead of going off in the direction they expect him to, he drives off in a different direction, and that messed everything up because. They they hadn't bothered to think that he might go right instead of left. Not once had it occurred to him them that he might. Son of a bitch! He's not going straight for the trap. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man! He even used the right turn signal and turned left. Does this man have no honor at all? <laughs> and I love how. Right, let's compare. You've got the the bank robbers planning out multiple escape routes, clocking them in different different weather conditions, and then you've got the cops who are like. Someone did something I didn't expect. I don't know what to do. <laughs> After I basically tipped them off to my presence. Oh, my God. So, yeah, the, the, the bank robbers are running circles around the cops here. And so there is a chase. They do manage to, to muster up and, and, and figure out what the hell's going on. And so he actually shot at them. One bullet hits the cop car and they give up. That's, that's just it. They're, they're done. So, meanwhile... Oh, shit, I don't get paid enough for this. Did you hear they made $3 million last year robbing banks? I, I'm having <laughs> trouble making my mortgage payment. I made my mortgage payment, Steve, the other week. You know what happened? I put the money in. I walk out of the bank. They stole my mortgage payment. <laughs> I'm basically paying these criminals. I don't... Fuck this. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> so, his car was ridden, riddled with 22 bullet holes... But he did have actually bulletproof glass on the car. So uh, that probably saved him. There was, this was interesting, one of his, a, a car that was, had belonged to him. I'm not sure if it's this one, but a car that belonged to him was auctioned off for $475 in January. So somebody bought Dillinger's car. That's an old car. I don't think it's going to run. Yeah, probably not. Especially with all those bullet holes. Yeah, so. yeah. I want so, I want a discount. This car is damaged. Yeah. So they were hiding out in either East Chicago or Chicago or maybe a little bit of both when one of his gang shot a detective and killed him. And so they all fled. And it was around this time that the Chicago Police Department created what they called the Dillinger Squad, which was 40 men whose job, whose main job was find Dillinger. That's it. 40. 40 men. He's in, he's in a toque and a striped shirt and he has a cane. <laughs> that's, that's Waldo. <laughs> Damn it! Bring back all the wanted posters. We fucked up again, boys. <laughs> so the gang ends up in Florida for a bit. Uh, Dillinger is there. He has a girlfriend, Evelyn Frechette. She's also known sometimes as Billy. And they stayed there uh, until his, her name is Evelyn Frechette. Yeah, this Evelyn guy Frechette. Dillinger's kink is weird names. Yeah, he goes from Beryl Hovius to Evelyn Frechette. Yeah, <laughs> she was uh, French and Native American. Yeah, that's why he actually he he. It was said that he wouldn't let her have alcohol. Because he was afraid that yeah, you know. so he was big into stereotypes, and he's like, "Well, she's Native American, so if if I let her have alcohol, she'll become an alcoholic." No fire water for you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
It's awful dry out here. Why don't you go out in the yard and do that lovely dance? <laughs> oh. oh, shit. <laughs> you okay, Amber? I'm good. You, you broke her. I did. Okay. I did. <laughs> I just imagine. I'm allowed to make that joke. My my great great grandmother was corn planter Indian. Oh my god! Yeah. Did you tell her to go dance for you? Yes, I did. No, you no, I never her. met her. I never met her. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I got from her was slightly dark skin and and lactose intolerance. <laughs> so thanks, great grandma. <laughs> So anyhow, I don't even know what to do with that. I think Amber's still broken. I'm okay. I'm back. Okay. Good. So yeah, they're in Florida for a little bit. Apparently, at least according to a a, a neighbor, they did stay up late drinking sometimes, but Dillinger didn't drink too much. So, and he obviously wasn't letting Evelyn have any. So it must've been probably some of the other gang. Uh, They didn't have, nobody ever came to visit or anything, but there was lots of mail coming to the house uh, addressed to people who did, who didn't live there. So all of their aliases were getting mail. And at this point in time, reading the newspapers was interesting uh, because I had to ferret out what, by going to the other sources that already have this information, what Dillinger had actually done with what they were laying at his feet. Because like pretty much every bank robbery that happened at that time, they were like, well, it must have been Dillinger. <laughs> even if it wasn't because there were definitely other bank robbers. So anytime some, anything's happening, it's, it's tossed at his feet, even when he wasn't anywhere near there. He was in Florida and in Chicago, a dog was shot and they said that it, it, it was him. And he said, quote, hell, this is going too far. How could I shoot a dog in Chicago from down here in Florida? I wonder if that dog's name was Matt, as in Matt Leach from the Indiana State Police Force that he didn't get along with so well for reasons nobody can really figure out. <laughs> so after the florida stint they ran off to tucson arizona now it it was a lot smaller back then Uh, in 1930 the population was 32,000, and today it's 548,000. so it was much smaller of a town and they're staying at a hotel the hotel catches on fire And so they're rushed out. They can't get their luggage. So they're actually trying to pay off the firemen to go in and collect their luggage for them. And one of the firemen is then later flipping through an issue of a detective magazine. And he sees Dillinger's face and he's like, I got that guy's luggage. (laughs) Oh, Oh, shit. shit. (laughs) Yeah. So... The cops managed to figure out where they were. They had rented a house after the fire and they set up an ambush. Basically, everybody else they caught out and about. And then they are the cops are at the house when Dillinger walks in and the cop. So Dillinger walks in and the cops said, what do you want? He said, what the fuck are you doing here, sonny boy? (laughs) And he said, I guess I'm in the wrong place. And the cop answered, no, you're not. And so they put a machine gun in his back at that point, And he said, well, I guess you win. Aww. So I have a snippet from a paper here 
Dillinger was carrying two 45 caliber automatic pistols and several clips of shells when arrested. He had on his person $7,107 in cash. The new automobile in his possession for a license issued in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Three other new and expensive automobiles, each equipped with a shortwave radio receiving set, such as used to intercept police cars, car, cars calls, were taken from the men. In Dillinger's residence, two of the machine guns, two bulletproof vests, a flower sack filled with money, diamonds, and three pairs of nippers were found. Police said that the nippers were the type used as instruments of torture. Jesus Christ. Five specks of dust, three mouse hairs, and a rat tail from a dead skeleton that Dillinger must have murdered. Yeah, I love the, the inventory here, but I also love that they actually literally filled a flower sack with money. Like, it's a cartoon. <laughs> it's such a fucking cartoon. Dillinger looking at his voice. Be sure to take that marker there and paint the big dollar sign on it so we know what's in there. So uh, four men were arrested in this whole uh, setup. It wasn't a setup. They just arrested them for crimes they'd done. Uh, that was Dillinger, Charlie Mackey, Russell Clark, and Harry Pierpont. And those three men were all from his first prison stint. So men who had busted out of prison with his help and then come to bust him out and then robbed a bunch of banks with him. And now these guys were also quite uh, loaded up with weapons and such. From them, police took five machine guns, three of them Tommy guns, and two tank models equipped to fire 351 caliber cartridges, numerous pistols, 3,500 rounds of ammunition, more than $40,000 in cash, and $12,000 in jewels. I love the way you said jewels. 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 I want that so. every time I get a text on my phone. I want that. Jewels. <laughs> you can make it a ringtone. <laughs> Not on so. my phone, you can't. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. This episode is sponsored by Best Fiends. So, who's been playing Best Fiends lately? We, we have. have. Best Fiends is an incredibly fun puzzle game. It's got all these adorable characters that you can collect and level up. And, like me, it's super casual. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> I love playing a game that doesn't stress me out. I have enough stress in my life. I don't need a game that stresses me out. So do you guys have any tips for our listeners when they're playing the game? I have one straight from Jackson, actually, and this has really helped me. So if you're playing a boss level, and if you don't have to collect any red items, so you would need the, the red collector uh, fiend, use D. All right, the, the D fiend, if you have her. And if you don't have her, get her. I will have to try that. Uh, it is that time again, guys. Level check. 802. Good job. You're catching up. I am on level 1486. And I know Christy is well above me. Where are you, Christy? 2509. Wow. <laughs> so, everybody, your mission is to try to catch up to me. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends.
Now, the men were held on a $100,000 bond, and there are also three women, girlfriends of gang members who were caught with them. They were held on $50,000 bond, and the firemen and policemen who caught them got a $35,000 reward. It was also said that Pierpont's girlfriend, Mary Kinder, known as Queen of the Gun Malls, who was also picked up during this raid, she was their master strategist. And I love this little snippet about their stay at the jail before they were, you know, extradited and, and such for charges. Okay. The gangsters disdained the regular jail breakfast of oatmeal, toast, minced meat, and coffee this morning, ordering ham and eggs instead to be paid for out of the more than $40,000 in cash officers took from them. I want my eggs straight up, Pierpont, Pierpont suave trigger man said. Four women arrested with the man, men ordered their eggs scrambled. Um, I love that they're letting them spend the money that they caught them with on food at the jail. <laughs> <laughs> you stole this money, but as long as you're spending it here. <laughs> right. That's fine. We'll just charge you a thousand dollars for that ham and, you know, 1200 for the eggs straight up. What are eggs straight up? What are eggs straight up? Eggs straight up. I'm imagining that's kind of like, just like Sunny cracking up. You're thinking it's sunny side up? I'm imagining it's just crack an egg on a griddle and then cook it, flip it, cook it, done. Hmm. So like over easy or over hard? Oh, I'm imagining over hard. Hold on here. Eggs straight. I'm thinking sunny up. side up. Straight up, sunny side up. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, eggs straight up are also called deviled eggs. Oh, straight up, really? straight up deviled eggs. Uh, there is <laughs> on Elizabeth. This is from ElizabethCarmel.com, and it's called straight up deviled eggs. Hmm. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> so there we go. So Everybody's wrong. <laughs> yeah, but well, I didn't. I well, I guess I kind of agreed with Amber, so I guess I, I am wrong. <laughs> it's okay. I'll take the wrong. I'll take the wrong. I said it very convincingly. <laughs> you did. You did. You definitely had me buying in. So once again, they just keep on waking his dad up all the time. They're, they're just constantly waking him up. Man can't get a wink of sleep, and that's fine. Um, they woke him up to tell him the news, and his dad actually cried because he'd been afraid that there would be a gunfight with the police and Dillinger would die. Um, give it give it a minute. Uh, so we'll, we'll <laughs> just give it a minute. We can make that happen for you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So they really, really jacked up their police presence with him and they flew him back to Indiana because in Arizona, he'd only committed theft. But in Indiana, he had a murder charge waiting for him. And once they got him on the plane, they chained him to a post and he said, hell, I don't jump out of these things. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gets, they take him to Crown Point, Indiana, where they're going to put him in jail. When he arrives, there are 32 heavily armed Chicago policemen waiting for him. And the trip to the jail is in a 13 car caravan. And there are also, uh, 29 troopers uh, from Indiana. So he's there to be tried for the O'Malley killing. And I, I just love this. They, they, they say like the jail is escape proof and we're keeping under strict guard, but there's a picture 
of him basically like clowning around with the prosecutor and the sheriff, who, by the way, was a woman. Love it. Um, even though I'm kind of criticizing her. And they let him talk to the press. Uh, he says, I guess my only bad habit is Robin Banks. I smoke very little and don't drink much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's your only bad habit. <laughs> I think he's got more bad habits than that, considering he had gonorrhea the first time he went to jail. Just saying. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. So, but of course, all this initial, you know, flurry of cops there to keep an eye on him diminishes fairly quickly. Uh, they, uh, uh, I'm going to say it, they let their guard down. <laughs> so, yeah, he only has six guards. And so now... Well, how this went really depends on who you ask. He has a few razor blades and a washboard and uses that to make himself a fake gun, which he then uses to bust out uh, th past those six guards. He locks them up and get, grabs himself two machine guns from the, the jail or police station or whatever and busts out. But there may have been some cash going from his lawyer into the right hands so that, you know, the cops would be afraid of the gun. Wink. I just don't think that he was able to make a convincing enough gun out of, <laughs> with some razor blades and everything that he could fashion it so perfectly that they would actually be mistaken. And plus, what did he have? Black paint or something in there too? Uh, it was, it was black shoe polish. I was just going to say oh. shoe polish. Well, there's that at least. Shoe polish is one of the great things that they used to give to criminals that was actually quite effective. You could carve a fairly convincing gun out of a few bars of soap and then color it with black shoe polish. Uh, another thing you could do, if you could get a hold of a wire hanger, um, you could light the shoe polish on fire and then use it as a weapon. You know, you kind of have that wire hanger around the can of shoe polish. So really the lesson here is let their shoes not be shiny. That's exactly right. But some <laughs> things you can't take away from a man. <laughs> I you know guess what? There, not. There, there was actually uh, evidence much later that said that his lawyer had actually arranged for Dillinger's escape with cash bribes. So the gun thing may never have happened. It's a fun story. But later on, well after everything, they're like, no, no, that didn't happen. He bribed, he was like bribed his way out of jail. And then when he gets out, he actually steals the sheriff's car. Which I and love. That's amazing. He beautiful. has two, two hot. Yeah, right. Just <laughs> him and that guy from, from town here. <laughs> Stealing cop cars go to visit their, their soon to be girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, and I really think honestly, we should, this the, the episode title. I think you already said it a little while ago, or the subtitle, Scott. Chrome plated balls, mm -hmm. honestly. <laughs> so uh, he goes across state lines from Indiana to Illinois, heading to Chicago, and that is when the trigger is pulled. Not on him or anything, but. Basically, this is now a federal offense. He has stolen a, a car and taken it across state lines. This is now in federal jurisdiction. So the FBI, known at the time as the Department of Investigation, but we're going to call them the FBI throughout most of this, uh, they can get involved and an indictment is passed down. And so now you have uh, J. Edgar Hoover on his ass, which, by the way, I happen to be 
reading an article and saw a picture of J. Edgar Hoover, uh, a pretty, pretty young picture. I think most of the pictures I've seen are when he was older. And damn, does he look like Rami Malek. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's where okay. we're going with this. I showed it to Jackson. I was like, it's the guy from Mr. Robot. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but it just is. So uh, he, around the same time, some other members of the gang, they are going down. Uh, one of his other members turns state's evidence and testifies against Pierpont, Mackley, and Clark. Those were the ones who were caught with him in Arizona. And uh, there's a trial for the murder of the sheriff when they busted Dillinger out. Uh, Clark gets life and the other two get the chair. Everybody thinks that Dillinger is going to do what he does and it, or what they, these guys seem to do for each other. He's going to come and bust them out. But he's got a new BFF, guys. And his new BFF is Babyface Nelson. Oh, fucking God. I love Babyface Nelson. So did Babyface Nelson. <laughs> Babyface Nelson definitely had a huge man crush on Babyface Nelson. Mm -hmm. so, so Pierpoint and Mackley do try to escape. Mackley dies in the attempt. Pierpont is severely wounded. He's so wounded that when they execute him less than a month later, they he can't even walk to the chair. They have to carry him. Uh, I'm not on any of these guys' side, but that does feel like a little bit like cruel and unusual punishment to, to right? execute someone when they're so injured. Like, wait, just wait. There's what what is the what exactly is the trouble with just giving him another month to recuperate and then doing it, you know? Both of them like feel that. both of them feel wrong, which is why I'm going to maybe say execution is wrong. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, but, but like I get I get their point a little too. Like, why pay to get him healthy just to kill him? It's probably less electricity to just kill him now. I don't know how it is how it was back then compared to how it is now, and I understand that medical bills would would make that a more expensive endeavor. But if I'm remembering correctly. It is more expensive to execute someone than it is to keep them behind bars for life. That's because they go through a whole process. Silly. I mean, yeah, like if you want to go like German style execution, it's I mean, a bullet's only what, like five, ten cents. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't buy a I lot of know. bullets. But really, I mean, hey. with, all, with all the illegal guns and ammunition that they they um take possession of you could just use those you don't even have to pay for anything you just use all the things you've confiscated your brain works in scary ways i'm a little creeped out it's probably a good thing that amber is not making any of the laws okay so and then clark actually was the last member of the original dillinger gang to die in 1968 he had been granted parole four months earlier and had been behind bars for the past 34 years. That's a long time. That is a it long is. time. So three days after Dillinger's escape, we begin what I have in my notes titled as Robberies Round 3. Yay! <laughs> so they rob the Security National Bank and Trust Company in Sioux Falls. This is an interesting one because they pull up to the bank. You've got six Dillinger gang members in the car, all packed in there. And a bank employee looks out the window and she sees them. And she goes, 
if I ever saw a holdup car, that's one. <laughs> and her coworker's like, you've been reading the papers too much. So uh, there is, at, at this time, one policeman is shot while patrolling outside, but he, he did survive. The sheriff uh, is actually talking with a reporter when he finds out about the robbery, and he and the reporter both head over to the scene. He basically, like, it's like, hey, you want to become part of the story? Come help me out. And he's like, we're going to do this together. And so the, the sheriff's plan is to go to the hotel opposite the bank, hole up on the second floor and shoot at the robbers from there. But there's so many people outside and then the people in the bank and the robbers just use them as human shields, as we've seen before. Nothing so, wrong with a meat shield. Yeah, right. Apparently. Let, let's see how bad. How, let's see how bad you hate me whenever I have an infant in front of me. Can't hate me that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so they do uh get into the getaway car uh, a patrolman manages to shoot the radiator it's pretty badly damaged they do have some hostages from the bank and they use them as human shields while they get a new vehicle and this does include the woman who'd said that looks like a hold-up car so she was probably sitting there nudging her fellow employee being like see i, t I told you so give me the fucking ten dollars <laughs> yeah so the gang does make it out with their $49,500 score from that bank. And then another interesting one, uh, on March 13th, 1934, just one week later. So at the First National Bank in Mason City, Iowa, there's a freelance photographer inside and he's getting film of the bank for a job. A man approaches him and says, stop what you're doing. Because we're going to be doing all the shooting from here on out. I have a mental problem. I have a, I have a really bad mental problem. And I, it really, I'm, I'm beating it. But as soon as anybody says, stop what you're doing, the next thing I want to do is start singing the Humpty Dance. <laughs> stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style. So you're really, count yourself really damn lucky, Christy, that I just didn't derail this entire podcast and start singing over you. And I wouldn't have stopped, no matter how much you screamed. <laughs> I, uh, I will thank the podcast gods very much for that blessing. Is song rape a thing? Song <laughs> rape? I, yeah. I, did get, I did get a kind of shocked look at somebody. I was playing the Humpty Dance, and I went... Is this like a thing you just do all the time? What the is Humpty, wrong with this? The Humpty Dance is a great song. I, I was playing no. it in my car, and <laughs> just by accident, I was going to a Burger King... It was the Burger King in Evansburg. And just as I pull up to get my food, the line, I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom, blares in through the window. And the woman looks at me and I said, not really, it was the ball pit. And I took my money and left. <laughs> okay, moving on. I took my food and left. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so. Uh... Yeah, I didn't want to derail you. Thank God I got this problem under control, huh? Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, okay. Uh, yeah, so they basically go to this uh, this photographer and they say, we're going to be doing all this shooting from now on. And so they the photographer does stop shooting, but after the getaway, he, he turns his camera back on and gets some more some more footage. Uh, and that's actually available on the, uh, on YouTube. It uh, It's 
it's not all that interesting. I mean, you see some like glass shot out and some members of the bank like smiling awkwardly and shifting their feet and not really knowing what to do with their hands. Cameraman uh, turns the camera man. back up. So be sure to click like, hit, and subscribe. Yeah. So the bank is a little bit more prepared. The, the guard and the cashier both uh, deploy some tear gas. But the, the gang is able to empty most of the teller's drawers, and then they head to the vault. But here is where they really screw it up. So John Hamilton was a member of the gang, and he had an employee taking him to the vault. But when during this process, he let a gate close between them. So instead of being able to get huge piles of cash, the employee can only hand him through the bars stacks of $5 bills. So <laughs> they could have had $250,000. They ended up with $52,000. Not great. Only 50, not great. Only 52. Only $52,000. Which oh, is so about sad. a million. <laughs> Only $1 million. Only $1 million. Too bad, so sad. And meanwhile, outside, Babyface Nelson, who we're going to hit up real soon here, guys. Uh, not in this episode, but like, well... We will hit him up one more time, but we're going to go into much greater detail. So if this sounds tantalizing to you, just wait. Uh, he is outside being an absolute nut. He shoots a guy and he's like, I thought he was a copper. And a, a woman, a, a couple of women are coming out of a butcher shop and they're trying to take them as hostage. He steals one of the women's meat and stomps on it. <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy? What is he? What give is me he that thing quick, quick, give me her beef. I got <laughs> I got a message to send to the cops. <laughs> oh damn. It's it's wonderfully ridiculous. So they did take some say that they took eleven hostages. So you had this the all the gang five to six people and then 11 hostages uh, and some of the women had to sit on the, the, the bank robbers laps. So that's uh, something. <laughs> also one of the hostages they took had been on his way to deliver a bag of sandwiches to the bank and the gang ate all of them. So they were, I guess, I guess robbing a bank, you know, works up an appetite. What can you say? So, uh, one other man was shot during this. He was following the getaway car, not because he was pursuing bank robbers. No, he saw this car and he saw all the hubbub and he's like, is there a parade or a wedding or something? Oh, I got to get in on this shit. And so he gets and starts following the getaway car and he gets so close to the car. He's pretty much must be tailgating them that they shoot him in the stomach. <laughs> Wow, this thought, parade's going really fast. 182 miles an hour. This is impressive. Well, it's actually that it was going really slow because they had like 17 people in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and they would stop every so often to lay out roofing nails to, to puncture the cops' cars. And then they would also stop because they had haystacks along the side of the road where they had hidden gasoline cans. Damn it. <laughs> you, could, you could have done this. You could have made this right. Hey, buddy, would you throw some of these, some of these candy-shaped nails at, at the carbine? <laughs> Don't worry. The kids love nails. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So that man did survive. 
He actually went home and washed up before he went to go get treatment. So that's how okay he was doing or embarrassed that he was, that he thought that a bank get bank robbery getaway car was a parade. I guess everybody loves a parade. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, also the guy that Babyface Nelson shot survived. So, um, And uh, so they're letting the hostages out one by one as they go. The, the police following them must not have been anywhere near. If they're able to, they're literally like stopping like every few minutes. They're like, let a hostage out. Stop and toss out some roofing nails. Okay, that haystack up there, that has some of our gas. We got to stop there. I mean, I, I guess I can understand why somebody would think it was a parade. It was like stopping every few fucking feet. <laughs> yeah, so, to fucking set a hay bale on fire. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, a couple of them had been shot and Dillinger was a little woozy. So they do manage to track down a doctor at his home at night. And the doc was like, well, I don't have any of my medical stuff here, but, uh, here's, here's your prescription. Go home and have a stiff drink. That's basically what he tells them. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, come down to my office tomorrow. And of course they didn't, you know? Um, so the bank seems to go the bank. God. The gang. I'm losing my words, guys. Technically, they've got a lot of money at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, they could be a bank. <laughs> yeah. Here's what we do. We're going to take all this money, right? We're going to loan it out to people, and we'll take other people's money. At- Dillinger, you're just a bank now. Let's rob ourselves. <laughs> so they decide to kind of go separate ways. Dillinger goes off with uh, Billy Frechette. And his old girlfriend, and they get an apartment in St. Paul, Minnesota, under the alias Mr. and Mrs. Hellman. Oh, why the but, fuck would you stay in St. Paul, Minnesota? Yeah, I know, and it's still not, like, quite spring yet, so it's gotta yeah. be super cold. I lived in Minneapolis, St. Paul back in 96 and 97. I'd rather be in jail. <laughs> Apparently they were of a different mindset. They, uh, an FBI agent actually comes and talks up the apartment manager and the apartment manager was like, yeah, these, these people are super sus. And so the agents, they, they do a whole entire day of surveillance before they start knocking on the door. And, uh, Frechette slams the door in their faces, which I like her. Um, so then they surround the building supposedly and when one of Dillinger's friends comes in, there a shootout starts between him and the FBI. And uh, Dillinger and Frechette, they do manage to slip out a back door. So I don't think they had the building surrounded. <laughs> I think that's bullshit. <laughs> and he they does. Spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they missed a spot. So <laughs> uh, Dillinger does get shot once during this process. Interestingly enough, he decides to recuperate back home in Mooresville. Good old home sweet home all down on the farm. And they stay there a couple of days for him to to get healthy again and even have a nice family dinner on Sunday. So that's I I, I wouldn't think that would be his first place to go, but I don't know. So Soon after that, uh, Frechette makes the mistake of going to Chicago one day and Dillinger actually takes her to Chicago, but as she's like, you know, she's about to go in to her destination. He's like, I got a bad feeling about this. I'm just going to stay here. And sure enough, it was a setup. 
the FBI nabs her, and she ended up getting two years for conspiracy to harbor a fugitive and never saw Dillinger again. I like how you so. use the Star Wars reference. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. That did not slip past. <laughs> so Dillinger, he does one of his police station raids. He holds a policeman hostage in an attempt to get the materials to bust her out of jail, but eventually he just kind of gives up on her. And then they, he, he and the gang head to Little Bohemia Lodge in Wisconsin, where today you can still go and have a drink and a meal and see the, you know, sights from this particular event that happened here. It's billed as a rustic restaurant and bar with hearty American fare and artifacts from a 1934 John Dillinger shootout. So... April 20th, they arrive. They're planning to stay there for a weekend, just kind of have a chill couple of days, you know, drink some booze, play some cards. And their connection here was that Dillinger's attorney knew the owner of the lodge, whose name was Emil Winatka. And <laughs> the owner is like... Saturday morning word jumble. <laughs> right? But the wrong answer on it. Yeah. So, and... He swears. He's like, I didn't I didn't know who they were at first, not until like the, the first night when we were playing cards and Dillinger reached over to grab, you know, his winnings. And I saw I saw a, a gun and then I realized everybody else was armed, too. And I was like, oh, crap, they're gangsters. Oh, crap. That's probably Dillinger. So that's what he says. The next day, Winaka's wife tells a friend that Dillinger and his gang are holed up at the Little Bohemia Lodge. And that tip makes its way to the FBI, who rush in to make a raid because they know that the gang is leaving on Sunday. So they only have a short window, which why not? Why rush it when you, you know where they are? Tail them. Tail them. Do something other than. <sighs> Anyhow, it's not great. It's not great at all. Because there on Sunday, there was a one dollar dinner special. And over 75 people had come in for that. So that was a big draw. So three men were leaving the lodge in their car, just normal guys, not gangsters. And the FBI told them to stop. They didn't because they didn't hear it. So they got shot at. One of them was killed. The other two were wounded. And there were also several other bystanders killed in this process. And also... The gunfire is a pretty obvious hint that somebody is there to get the gang. So that you're wow. It's just amazing how, how incredibly incompetent they're being. And also how much of this they don't mention on FBI.gov. By the way, uh, Emil Wanatka, the name can be rearranged to be animal tweak. <laughs> nice. Good to know. But yeah. this is not this. It's not the first time the FBI like bungled stuff. Like, do you remember with uh, Lincoln's body when they were trying to like set up the sting? Oh and yeah. They accidentally fired to warn everybody to run away. Yeah, one of their own informants actually ended up in jail. You don't yeah. do that to your informants. That's true. They were they were not doing well for many many years before they started not doing well here. <laughs> So I am, I imagine they will not do well in the future. I've seen American Dad. <laughs> so they 
learn absolutely nothing from their mistakes in St. Paul, and they don't cover the back of the lodge. And so most of the gang escapes, except for Baby Base Nelson, who goes right to the front door and tries to take on the whole damn FBI, because that's just who he is. Mm. We're going to have so much fun talking about him. I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody, that's next week. (laughs) I was going to save it as a surprise, but guys, we're going to have so much fun with Baby Base Nelson next week. Baby Face Nelson had fun with Baby Face Nelson. Yes, he did. <laughs> so, uh, at some point during this time, there's not really any great place to put this particular piece of information, so I'm just going to slip it out there. Warner Brothers, or no, this is a separate thing. This is the perfect time for this. In April, Warner Brothers put out a newsreel about the Dillinger case in theaters. So, for those, if you're younger, maybe you're not familiar with these, you'd be and it wasn't even really a thing in our time, but in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, movie theaters, in, prior to the movie, they would have clips uh, talking about different news events. You know, you've probably seen bits and pieces of them used in other media, you know, like about, well, especially World War II, they were used for a lot of uh, informing the public and propaganda. So my they favorite, were a handy tool for that. My favorite one was definitely... Definitely, where the U.S. government during World War II was begging farmers to grow marijuana. Hemp for victory was a great newsreel. I have not seen that, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they put uh, this newsreel out with the Dillinger in it and the FBI And the audience's reaction is exactly the opposite of what they want. When Dillinger comes on the screen, they cheer. When the FBI comes on the screen, they boo and they hiss. So public perception of the FBI is not great. And may I say, that is a reputation that is well-deserved at that point in time. But you know what? I love it because Dillinger was basically like this celebrity. And they would illegally use his images in like, Ford ads. Like, that was one of my favorites. Will they catch John Dillinger? Not until they get him out of a Ford V8. Oh, okay. I was going to save this for later, but I'm going to hit it now. The FBI also tried to do a little bit of, like, like media fighting against Dillinger at this point. So, they got Melvin Purvis, who was the head of the FBI in Chicago, they got him to do a Fleischmann's yeast ad. What? Yes. And in the middle of this live Fleischmann's yeast ad, Melvin Purvis becomes the first man to belch on the radio in history. (laughs) Excellent. Go Melvin Purvis. Mm -hmm. You should go hook up with Beryl Hobius. (laughs) People just didn't care what they named their kids in these days. What are we going to name our daughter? Shitstained Matilda. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, I love the dealerships using using Dillinger as, as advertisement. He, he apparently he drove a Hudson for a while, and there was a Hudson dealership that said put up a banner saying Dillinger chooses the nineteen thirty four Hudson for his personal use. <laughs> like, he, yeah, he really was a celebrity, and this was not really one of J. Edgar Hoover's favorite fun facts. He did not, he was not happy about the, the America's reaction to the newsreel. He didn't like that Dillinger was becoming a celebrity and he needed to take Dillinger down to get the FBI the credibility he wanted it to have. 
And so he clamps down on Dillinger's old stomping grounds in Mooresville, said that they would toss Dillinger's dad and his other family in jail. They didn't in the end, but they did get some information out of them just with that particular threat. So this is a lot of fame for a man who is trying not to get caught. So he decides that he needs a different face. So he and another one of his gangster pals went under the knife to the tune of $5,000. That's nearly $100,000 in today's money, but probably a drop in the bucket considering all his bank robbery takings. Uh, his cleft chin was filled. He got some moles and scars taken care of, and he had his fingerprints burned off. And that sounds unpleasant. Jesus Christ. Turn, yeah. Uh, turn Van Meter into a woman. I get lonely. <laughs> now, his, his eyes were still recognizable, and that got him the nickname Snake Eyes. But as for whether or not this was effective, it's it's hard to say. He didn't say he, he he thought it was a very good job. He thought he still looked pretty much the same, but it was pretty damn effective in almost stopping Dillinger. Because well, he did. Oh, go ahead. He did manage to go to a Cubs game where some of the Dillinger squad members were at, whether they were there for fun or there to keep an eye out for him, probably to keep an eye out for him. And he slipped right past him. Well, whenever but, he was you know. whenever he was getting the surgery done, though, they overdosed him on ether and Dillinger began to suffocate. He, he fucking turned blue and stopped breathing and had to have his tongue pulled out of his mouth with a pair of forceps. And, and they were forcing both elbows into his ribs to try to get him to breathe. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, this, wow. this almost killed him. Well, that's what happens when you get a back alley plastic surgery. Yeah. What they used to remove his fingerprints, uh, they actually charged him uh, $500 per hand. Uh, and they used nitric and hydrochloric acid. This is a, this is a mixture of acid called aqua regia. Aqua regia is one of the very, very few mixtures of acids that can actually dissolve gold. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting... Oh, hang on a second. Hang on a damn second. Wait a goddamn fucking minute. Okay, so the FBI... I'm going to jump ahead... No, you know what? I'm, I'm holding it back. I'm holding it back, but I'm going to make a note. So I don't forget. I don't think I will because it's just in like one more page, but I'm making a note because I had a, a, a what the hell moment. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm like all hyped up and, and psyched. I'm so happy to have my wife back. <laughs> I'm so glad you do too. <laughs> so uh, Dillinger, with his new face, gets a new girlfriend. Uh, Polly Hamilton. Now, it's really up in the air what her profession was. She may have been a sex worker. She may have been, some sites say that she was just a girl Friday. And she may have been a waitress at a, a saloon called the Bucket of Blood. Jesus or, Christ. Right? Or she may have worked as a waitress at the SNS sandwich shop. Where do you work at? I work at Severed Penis Cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
So she was 26 years old and she met Dillinger at the Barrel of Fun nightclub. I love it. Well, those love are it. two very different places to be. <laughs> yeah. Barrel of Fun. Either way, it's a container of liquid. I guess fun is a liquid. I've seen well, pornos. His his first wife was also Barrel. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Yes, he was. Barrel of fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, now, whether she knew who he was is kind of an open question. He used an alias with her, and her friends were like, oh, man, he really looks like Dillinger. But she's like, oh, I don't think so. And he gave her two dozen roses and an amethyst ring for her birthday. He called her Countess. And she would later talk about how he was just such an Indiana farm boy. Quote, all he asked for was a home-cooked dinner. Baking powder, biscuits, and chicken gravy were what he liked best. And would you believe it, he'd wash the dishes. Oh, my God. Actually, that's pretty fucking manly. <laughs> so then finally on June 30th, 1934... He robs the Merchants National Bank in South Bend, Indiana, to the tune of $29,890 and killed another policeman in the process. And Hoover put up a reward. Depends on, I'm going to source this very wildly. Yeah, it was did. either 5000 or 10000 So uh, that is the end of his bank robberies. And I just have some very quick math to do because I didn't. I meant to do this, and I didn't, so I'm going to add up all of it. I have the basics for what I need to do. Okay, so 3.7 plus 1.9 plus 0.5. Uh, all told, in today's dollars, do you guys want to guess at how much, in, in today's dollars, all of these robberies from getting out of jail to now, how much he raked in? Five million six hundred eighty-seven thousand two hundred thirty-two dollars and eighty-seven cents. I am going to say roughly seven million in modern-day currency. Ooh, Amber went over. It's six point one million dollars. What did I win? Um, self-respect. <laughs> nope. No, I didn't. I, I literally <laughs> took that out of my notes. Um. Because that, that's what one of the sources said. Uh, it was roughly $7 million in modern-day currency because the federal government spent more money trying to catch him than he ever stole. Hmm. It's possible uh, either the currency converters are different or I might have potentially missed one, although I thought I got all of them. No, or you know what it was? it's just there time was, passes. There were different amounts um, in some of the robberies. Depend, like It sources very wildly. Um, so that was based off of a total loot of around half a mil. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, one way or the other, shit ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the government spent four times as much though. That pretty, is amazing. Pretty damn lucrative. Yeah. To spend what? all that money trying to hunt somebody that stole barely uh, anything. I'm talking <laughs> no. about being Thanks. the dude. Okay. <laughs> 
But no matter how lucrative it was, he knew it wasn't going to end well for him. At one point, he said around this time period, quote, I'm traveling a one way road and I'm not fooling myself as to what the end will be. If I surrender, I know it means the electric chair. If I go on, it's just a question of how much time I have left, end quote. So at least he was honest with himself. So he's seeing Polly Hamilton, and Polly has this friend who also may have been her madam if she was a sex worker. I've been in a Named- Polly Hamilton relationship. It wasn't as fun <laughs> as you would think. <laughs> oh, man, we have so many things competing with chrome-plated balls for the episode subtitle. <laughs> a Polly Hamilton relationship is really good. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> um, her friend, Anna Sage, who had... Uh, That was her name in America, but she was an illegal immigrant from Romania. And she was also kind of a friend of Dillinger's. Well, she was about... Her real name was Ana Cumpanas. I was hoping somebody else would go ahead and try to pronounce that. I'm going with it, whatever. Good. Very good. So, yeah, she was getting in some trouble and was potentially going to be deported. So she used her knowledge of Dillinger's whereabouts as sort of leverage with the FBI and, you know, made a deal with them. So she said, we're going to go see a movie and I'll be wearing an orange skirt and a white blouse. But uh, when this did happen, the orange, actually the theater lights made it look red. So she later got the nickname later in red, later in red, got lady in red. And uh, what she also got later was deported. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeez. that deal worked out well. Uh, she did apparently get the reward. So she got some money before she was kicked out of the country. So on July 20th, there's, there's a bunch of American dollars that you can't spend anywhere yeah. else in the world. Go, <laughs> yeah, better, leave. Better spend this quick before we kick you out. You're not allowed to come back. <laughs> so on July 22nd, 1934. This little uh, threesome of Polly Hamilton, Anna Sage, and John Dillinger go to see Manhattan Melodrama starring Clark Gable, William Powell, and Myrna Loy. And Hollywood was just as incestuous as like European royalty as far as the, 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 the dating, except I guess less cousins, fewer cousins. There was that. But uh, one fun fact I learned was that both of these men that starred in this movie married carol lombard powell married her first and they divorced in 1933 so the year before this movie came out and gable would eventually marry her in 1939 and they'd stayed married until she died in a plane crash in 1942 so it's just there's just so much like weird intermarriage stuff going on but i want to tell you guys the storyline of this movie that was the last film john dillinger would ever see so Here it goes. This is from IMDb. Orphans Edward Blackie Gallagher and Jim Wade are lifelong friends who take different paths in life. Blackie thrives on gambling and grows up to be a hard-nosed racketeer. Bookworm Wade becomes a DA vying for the governorship. When Blackie's girlfriend Eleanor leaves him and marries the more down-to-earth Wade, Blackie harbors no resentment. In fact, their friendship is so strong that Blackie murders an attorney threatening to derail Wade's bid to become governor. The morally straight Wade's last job as DA is to convict his friend of the murder and send him to the electric chair. After he becomes governor, Wade has the authority to commute Blackie's death sentence, a decision that pits his high moral ethics against a lifelong friendship. 
what I garnered from the trivia and such on this uh, IMDb page was that uh, the, he doesn't pardon him. So <laughs> Way to spoil it. <laughs> spoil. I actually wrote my notes. Spoiler. He doesn't pardon him. But, you know, it's been out for almost 100 years. You've had time. So, <laughs> but I would like to know what the hell is up with this whole governor's pardon trope we keep seeing in the movies that criminals go to see. Why does that keep popping up? Because it's like their wet dream. It's it's the only thing. Uh, whenever you're sending somebody to to an execution, what are your options? What are your three options to get that character out of the execution? It's either escape, it's political pardon, or fuck. I don't know what's. Yeah. I had I had yeah. the third one. Hang yourself in your cell. Yeah, yeah. Suicide before the fact. You know, so it's it's like the only it's the oh, the third one I was going for. It come back to me. The attention deficit disorder is high today. New evidence coming to light. So those uh, are your okay. three things. Exoneration. So, exactly. Exactly. So those are the only three things that save your character. So, yeah, getting a call from the governor. That's that's really the only thing that's going to it's you've got a 33 percent chance of seeing that happen in a movie. I know, but we keep seeing this. Well, it. it in, not in any movie. <laughs> I'm sure Star there's at least Wars. a few romantic <laughs> comedies without have Governor's we, Pardon being part of the plot. Have we got a subspace message from the Empire yet? <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping. Yeah. We're hoping Lord Vader pardons him. It just keeps on happening, and and specifically our episodes that we keep on having criminals going to see these movies where the Governor's Pardon is part of the plot, and it's just weird to me. So, and also it's kind of weird that if if the uh, Blackie in the movie uh, gets goes to the electric chair. It's it's interesting that that was the last part of a movie that he would have seen, Dillinger would have seen before he's taken down. So it's an interesting last uh, thing to be in your head, I think. Do you, so, think, do you think that as he lay there dying, he's like, that fucker should have pardoned him? Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> So then uh, our, our favorite Belcher, Melvin Purvis, FBI special agent. Uh, first of all, their, their signal, the orange skirt was supposed to be, you know, like it was it was bright and a, a signal that she would use that this is us so that you don't go shooting any other random people because we know you're not that smart. So <laughs> she, uh, Anna wears that skirt and then they come out of the theater and the signal that it was Dillinger and, and the girls would be Purvis lighting up a cigar. And Dillinger actually kind of saw that and got a little spooked. They come up to him, Melvin and his, a group of, of other agents, and they say, Melvin says, stick him up, Johnny. We had you surrounded. Jesus. <laughs> I love breaking, love breaking out the voice. <laughs> so <laughs> Dillinger tried to run. Uh, he, it was later said that he had tried to reach for his gun and run for the alley, but he was shot to death four shots, but only either two or three hit, depending on who you ask. Uh, they say the one FBI gun says three. <laughs> yes, they do. Don't they? Everywhere else is like, it was two. FBI is like, that, that three, it's three. We're not stormtroopers. <laughs> so, uh, one of them got him in the neck and then came out under his eye he was 31, and supposedly this may be just, you know, completely false. It may be true, but supposedly his last words were, you got me. Did you see, like, they actually took a death mask, and you can see the exit wound underneath of his eye from the bullet. 
they actually I didn't see the I, I saw the death mask. I didn't I wasn't even looking for the the exit wound, but they actually took like multiple death masks. Yeah. They had like four of them or something. I'll be sure so. I'll be sure to put that up on the old timey crimey Facebook page that you should be going to every day something a little new. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Something new that's something very old. Yes, that is that is our podcast. Um, so Hamilton and Sage, they both run for it, but separately. Um, and the body is actually put on display at the morgue for a day and a half. And over 15,000 people come to see it. So definitely, you know, a popular uh, outing, I guess. You can take the family, go see the dead gangster. That was really popular for Batman. <laughs> Really was. That's. Uh, I'm. I'm very glad that went out of fashion. He no. was. Uh, You're not glad it went out of fashion. Not. Did I miss it? There. There. <clears throat> okay. I. I heard this interview with a woman who survived. The. the uh, there was a, a mass shooting of quite a few years back of an NPR studio, and she said they could. The police, whenever they rescued them. They could have taken them out any exit, but they marched them past the body of the shooter that they just killed, almost like to say, hey, look what we did for you. Oh, wow. Well, that's kind of traumatizing as hell. Yeah. So they still do in little ways just to be like, ha, ha, ha. Exactly. Yeah. In little ways, they kind of do. Uh, that but was for on... select audiences only. Yeah. Yeah. That was on the uh, Dana Gould podcast. Uh, oh, geez. Probably about four or five years ago. Uh, yeah, absolutely fascinating show. Good, funny show. Go, go, go check them out anyway. So, yeah, the body is buried. Uh, Dillinger is buried July 25th at Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis, but they've had to replace his headstone a bunch of times because thieves keep on stealing parts of it. So have, they go over there with a chisel and I got, I got this little stone from Dillinger's grave. Have you seen like on the grave, people leave pennies. I did not see that. That's yeah. really. Hmm. Once again, I'll put it up on the old timey crimey Facebook page. Yeah. People are leaving pennies on Dillinger's tombstone. D dude's still making money. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That bank robin really is lucrative. Even long after you've been in the ground. And uh, speaking of lucrative, his family found a way to make some money off of it. About a week after the burial, they got themselves a new gig in vaudeville. Uh, they were in a show at the Lyric Theater, and they had a set where they would talk about John Dillinger's life. Then there was uh, the morgue photo that provoked quite the rumor, uh, the rumor <laughs> about his penis, that he was extraordinarily well endowed, but the word is that that was actually just his arm sticking up uh, and that also his uh, penis is not currently being kept at the Smithsonian, although there is some word that the local coroner might have gotten some bits of brain to check out on his own time later. So We took Dillinger's penis and wrapped it around the fire hose. If there's ever a fire, some, some lucky, terrified museum uh, patron is really going to have a tough time with their therapist that week. <laughs> Like, I, yeah. I literally have a section of my notes entitled Dillinger's Big D. <laughs> nice. And another one of the conspiracy theories slash rumors, whatever you want to call it, urban legends, is that it wasn't really Dillinger. And he's still out there somewhere, or at least was, you know, it, it would probably, 
he would be 117 now. So, but the thing is, and here's the thing. There's, there's actually a couple of things here. Holy, because my the thought that I had was uh, the F, I'm pretty sure I got the information from the FBI's website that about they how they took two sets of fingerprints outside the theater and then they took another at the morgue and they were all matches. But didn't he, he burn off his fingerprints? Yeah, he had the fingerprints burned off with acid. So how were they matches? FBI.gov. Mm. Explain yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jet fuel does not melt fingerprints. <laughs> so, and then this is actually something we came across and, and posted about uh, on the old timey crummy Facebook back when it was originally happening. And there was some discussion about it ended up not happening, but there was a time in 2019 when his nephew and niece were actually working with the history channel and they were going to try to exhume his body because of all these Conspiracy theories that it wasn't really Dillinger killed that day, but that project got abandoned by all parties, and so he remains uh, in his grave. But you know what? Some of them are actually kind of interesting. Like, there are a lot of witnesses and the coroner's report saying the man that was killed had brown eyes, but Dillinger had gray. Um, There was signs of rheumatic heart disease and a childhood illness that Dillinger didn't have. Uh, And then a few letters sent by somebody claiming to be John Dillinger years after. Uh, but I think my favorite is because the FBI lies. Uh, the FBI headquarters had a, well, Dillinger's gun on display, but um, it wasn't manufactured until years after his death. So um, they fibbed a little there too. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. Fibs and lies of omission and all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> but I mean, what do you after, guys- after the FBI screwed up that bad, it, I would not put it past them to lie about it and be like, we killed this guy. He looks close enough to John Dillinger. Uh, popular theory is petty criminal Jimmy Lawrence, who uh, apparently looks doppelganger-esque to Dillinger. They're like, well, we can't get Dillinger. Let's kill this guy and just make a deal with Dillinger that we won't come after him if he stays quiet. <laughs> but I just don't see him doing that is the thing. Well, like, maybe, I don't... maybe he just yeah. got better plastic surgery and then uh, kept robbing banks as somebody else. I know, no, no, not not Dillinger. <laughs> Dillinger would fucking kick down the door to the bank and go, I'm back from the dead, assholes. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Yeah, I just what what they probably said they they matched up his fingerprints. They probably yeah, the FBI is a piece of shit. But I, I imagine I imagine what a lot of it is uh, was that they had like the even though they were burned off, they had they had patterns. You know, they had burn patterns on the thing. So maybe they, they whenever they said fingerprints, they meant burn patterns. But would they have? They hadn't caught him in between when he burned his fingerprints off Fuck, and when right. he was shot, so they wouldn't have had any record of that. They wouldn't have had Dillinger, any way. Dillinger's own father said that that wasn't his son. Uh, close up of the corpse's face shows a full set of front teeth, but Dillinger was missing his front right incisor. Okay, that's weird. I really want the exhumation to have taken place. I was I was excited about that, and I'm 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 wondering what exactly happened 
not to go conspiracy theory on another conspiracy theory, but I'm really wondering if if something happened to motivate people to back off of that. Yeah, like, look, I will pay you a lot of money if you don't exhume this body. Because there had been legal challenges to the exhumation by, I believe, the authorities, and they managed to... If, now, I'm just going off of what I remember from when it was actually happening. I'm pretty sure they managed to win, those. So for a while, it was like, oh, they might not be able to exhume the body. And then it was, yeah, they'll be able to exhume the body. And then it was like, they've decided not to exhume the body, even after going to all this trouble of dealing with legal challenges. And, sh- and like, it just, it doesn't make any sense to just back off for no reason. The amount of red tape that is happening makes me think that it's not Dillinger. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, mean, I hate. I, I hate to like be a conspiracy theorist ever. Like it's just. It's not my deal. <laughs> I just. I don't like it. But I. I just feel like there's a reason they don't uh, want that body unearthed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the one. I think the very. I don't think I've gone in for any conspiracy theory, and it's still. It, it, I hate doing it, but I really feel like I probably have to go in on this one. I, the fingerprints thing alone is ridiculous. Now, who was your favorite member of the gang? Babyface Nelson, yeah. obviously. Okay, we're You're gonna take we're wasn't. taking Babyface off the table because he's oh. he's kind of like the star stream to his Megatron. I I didn't delve too much into the other members of the gang because just tracking Dillinger's life alone, if you if you branch out too far, that's that's rabbit hole city. And uh, I already was looking into old newspapers, so I fell down like eighteen rabbit holes. Mm. So uh, I was good. So go ahead. What, what do you got? I loved Homer Van Meter for one simple reason. This man had an unusual talent. Motherfucker could lasso flies. What? (laughs) So this dude, what he would do, he would take like thread, right? And he would lasso a fly with it. So, and you know how like flies kind of like hang around you and like they keep bugging you. It fucking there'd be like these strands of thread like white thread just flying around Homer Van Meter all the time because he would lasso flies. The first time I'd heard of it, there was a uh, there was a short story written by Stephen King called The Death of Jack Hamilton about the Dillinger gang. And it's uh, it actually takes place from the view of Homer Van Meter. And they talk about him lassoing flies and that. And I looked it up, you know, a few years after I read it, because I was I was uh, not super young whenever I read it. I think I think I read it back in 2003, 2004. But yeah, whenever I got the chance, I I looked it up. Motherfucker, it's true. Like Homer Van Meter would lasso flies like they said one time in jail, he had like one of the prison guards staring up in disbelief because there were these mysterious haunted threads flying around the cafeteria of the prison. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I could, I wish I could see someone do this because it's, it's just uh, unbelievable that somebody could actually manage to, to, I can't even get a fly with a damn fly swatter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me- com- meanwhile, he's, he's like, the, the, well, fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! It that's just to me that's amazing. That's, that's just amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. And he would that's, he would only yeah. use like a three inch piece of thread to do it. Uh, that yeah, that's that's a talent. That's yeah. Geez. 
All right. Well, that has been John Dillinger. He's one of the big ones. We really hit that, man. It's been like, I think this episode is going to end up creeping up on two hours. So uh, if you like that, all the stuff I said at the top of the show, Patreon, PayPal reviews. Thank you so much for those of you who do leave reviews. And thank you, of course, always to our patrons who are awesome. So there is also, as Scott has mentioned, uh, lots of material you can find on our social media. We are old timey crimey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Although I slack on the Instagram so much. Uh, <laughs> I just hate that I can't do it from a computer. It drives me crazy. So um, I'm going to get better. I swear. So there is all of that. There's also merch uh, oldtimeycrimey.redbubble.com. If it's your first time visiting, you have to like click on a thing to make it safe, you know, the not safe for work stuff available for you, but it's okay. I swear uh, there's no penises or only a few. So um, there's none really, but you can, check, you can check that out. And we have all kinds of fun stuff uh, related to the show that you can buy for yourself or your true crime loving friends who, by the way, you should be telling about us because if you love us, you know, they will. So, I do believe that covers all of my bullshit. Uh, we are actually recording on a Sunday night due to, a first of all, the holidays uh, were last week. And second of all, uh, power and internet issues combined. <laughs> so, uh, instead of asking what are you guys doing this weekend, I guess I'm going to say, what are you doing this week? I am uh, furthering my abilities to become a multimillionaire. <laughs> it's... I, I am investing heavily uh, right now. I am uh, looking into Neo, Renasola. Uh, oh, geez, who else? Uh, Intel is a big one that I'm investing in. So yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, I think I think Neo and X uh, Xpeng Motors are really going to go through the roof. And uh, I'll be working on my other podcast too. Uh, come check that out on YouTube. Good morning, Cybertron. If you happen to be into Transformers or maybe even just need a chuckle, come check us out. Awesome. Yeah, I hope I, I have a couple of just a couple shares of Neo. So I hope it does go through the roof. That'd be nice. Oh, so. I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm hopeful. Renasola, though. Renasola has done so well. I suggest investing in them. Okay. I'll definitely take a look at that. Small so. company making some big boy moves. <laughs> Amber, what are you up to this week? I am firstly vacuuming everything in my house because uh, Santa brought this horrible slime that had like, it was supposed to be glitter, but it was actually very small pieces of this horrendous plastic. Um, and every time the kids would play with it, the house would get decorated in hundreds of these little plastic beads, literally hundreds every time they took it out. Um, so that slime mysteriously has disappeared and I will be vacuuming tiny plastic beads. And then uh, making uh, French toast and um, eggs Benedict. Do yourself a favor out there, uh, Christy, Amber, and listeners at home. Check out the amazing glitter conspiracy that's going on. Okay. There. Okay. There was this. There I was live this, with a five-year-old girl. There There's was a glitter conspiracy <laughs> at my house. There was this reporter that went to one of the glitter factories, and he goes. Who's who's your uh, who's your top buyer? And they go, we can't tell you that. And they go, he goes, what? He goes, they wouldn't want you to know that there's glitter in their product. 
They go, if we saw it, would we see the glitter? If you looked really close, you'd see the glitter. They don't want us telling you. And now everybody's going like, who the fuck are they talking about? What are they talking about? Oh, shit. Isn't it boats? Who the fuck knows? Oh, I thought there, I thought it was revealed that it was boats, but I have, I have no boats. idea. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> I have, I, it's just like a, a little, just something in my brain is remembering from like reading about that when you first told me about it or seeing it somewhere soon after that. And it was like, oh, boats. Okay. Or maybe you told me and neither, uh, both of us need to get our memories checked. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm going to be diving into the glitter conspiracy again, once more into the deep. <laughs> Yeah. The glittery well, deep. I, I, this week, uh, actually, Detectives by the Decade comes back this week. So I've got a, an episode to wrap up there. It's a very uh, interesting episode about some people who are not very good at poisoning um, or criming in general. And so, yeah, I've got that. And I've got some, I might do some reading. Um, I have uh, uh, such a nerd. Uh, there's a biography of Queen Victoria I really want to pick up, but she was kind of a badass, and that's why I'm interested. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was like her her mom and another dude like tried to control her as soon as they figured out that she was probably going to be the queen. And once she hit 18, and once she got crowned, she was like, "No, get the hell out. This is I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my thing, and you can't control me." And just to, for for her to have grown up with all of that manipulation and to be like go the opposite route and, and, and be so strong is I think pretty cool. So I'm, I'm looking into I might buy that biography and start, start doing some reading this week. So yeah. So yeah, that is my life this week. And, uh, Oh, also in addition to detectives by the decade and good morning, Cybertron, some more podcasty goodness for you, uh, with Chris Garcia and I over on short story, short podcast, talking about short stories briefly. So, I guess that's everything for this week. And so Thank you, as always, for listening to our filthy, filthy words. And we will see you next week. Bye. 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 My sources this week are FBI.gov, CrimeMuseum.org, Find a Grave, Wikipedia, Indianapolis Times, and Nogales International via the Library of Congress's digitizing humanities, whatever it's called, <laughs> pbs.org, Richard Stockton on all that's interesting, IMDb, and the Duluth News Tribune. My sources for this week are history.com, Wikipedia, twice this time, one on John Dillinger, and the other one on the short story, The Death of Jack Hamilton, fbi.gov, pbs.org, and discover.hubpages.com. My sources this week are pbs.org, history.com by Evan Andrews, crimemuseum.org, even though I think they had a lot of bad information, and fbi.gov. Amber, calling them out. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) 